when the devil knocks, what do we do? When the devil knocks at our door and wants us to do something or doesn't want us to do something that God is calling us to do. So many times we go into the world and we go about life and we just kind of haphazard and we, we say, well, we go to church, we believe there's a God, but like some people say in the world today, even preachers, there is no hell. There's really no Satan. That, that's just a scare tactic to get us to do what we're supposed to do. But you know, when you read the scriptures and you study the scriptures and you understand there's a heaven, there's a hell, there's a good, there's a bad, and the scripture talks about Satan being kicked out of heaven. So I truly have to believe there is um, a heaven and I believe there's a hell and there, there's the accuser in the world today. So let's be real clear this morning. Yes, we're talking about Satan again in church. But I want us to understand this is not a devil-glorifying teaching series, okay? I'm not glorifying Satan. I'm not glorifying his power, though he does have a lot of power in the world today and in our lives today. So this is not a glorified Satan teaching series. This is a series to equip the saints to do battle against Satan, because if you remember what the scripture says, Satan is here to kill, steal, and destroy believers. That's what he wants to do. And so what we have to do, and it's part of my job, as it says in the scriptures, to equip the saints to do battle. Folks, we are in a spiritual battle. Let's get that real clear. In the world today, there's a battle between good and evil that goes on every day, every moment of our lives, because Satan is constantly trying to get us away. There is a real enemy. Make no mistake about it. It's not if he attacks. It's not a matter of if he will attack. We are under attack right now. We as individuals, we as churches, we as families, we as across the board are under attack by Satan. And I guarantee you, God is doing everything he can to keep us safe, to keep a hedge of protection around us. But it's when we step out of that hedge of protection, when we think we can do it ourselves, and we think we know what's best for us in our life, is when we get into trouble. You've heard names for Satan, like Lucifer. We've talked about deceiver, destroyer, accuser. He's the father of lies. He's the prince of darkness. He is all those things. And Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12, Paul says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Folks, we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a physical battle also. It's not that annoying coworker that we have to put up with. It's not that annoying neighbor that we have to put up with. It's not those people in our lives that we question and we kind of do these things. And they're not the real enemy, folks. The real enemy is Satan. But we want to use all these other people. We want to use things going on in the world and say, that is the enemy. No, they're not. You know, I, I don't agree with all the protests going on. I don't agree with all these gun advocacy things or all these this or not if you're for or against it. I'm tired of hearing who's for Trump and who's not for Trump or who would rather have this. Who would... That's not our enemy. Understand that. 
when we begin to understand who the real enemy is, where the true spiritual battle is, then we will begin to see where God is and what he wants us to do. Our fight is against mighty powers, evil spirits, it says, in heavenly places of this dark world. Folks, Satan is a deceiver, he's the accuser, he's the destroyer, and he is one this morning who attacks our minds and our hearts and our will. So today, understand this in your outline. Satan is the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. But also remember, he's the father of lies. So he's going to accuse us of things in our life that are complete lies, but grab onto this. Satan lies and their accusations, but so many times we believe them. God says, I want you to do this. I need you to do this. I want you to go here. I want you to do this or that and the other. And Satan's over here going, you can't do it. You're a failure. It's not going to happen. Even though God is over here saying, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. You can do it. Satan's over saying, no, no. You don't have the strength. You don't have the power. You don't have the knowledge. You don't have all those things in your life that you need. And so who do we believe? We believe Satan. And what happens? We stay exactly where we're at. Our behind stay in the pews. Because we don't believe we can tell somebody else about God. We don't believe we can go to our friends. We don't believe we can go into the world and share who Jesus Christ is. Because Satan has told us we can't. Satan does these fiery darts. He wants to send these accusations to us, and they come from the one who hates us. Understand that. Satan hates everything about us because we believe in a God, a God of love and a God of forgiveness. These accusations aren't from the one who loves us, and that is God. We hear words like, you're unworthy. We hear words like, you're not good enough, not lovable not trustworthy, on and on and on. And you think, I think our prayer should be for one another. And my prayer for you is Isaiah fifty four seventeen. And we need to hear this. We need to believe this. We need to practice this. We need just not to hear it, but we need to put it right here in our hearts because I believe it is so true. Isaiah fifty four seventeen says this, no weapon forged against you will prevail and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. There's no weapon forged against us. There is nothing Satan should be able to do to get us to believe his lies, to believe his accusations, to believe what he wants us to believe. So let's talk about this accuser who attacks our hearts with lies. Trust me, there's things in our lives, there's things in my life, that Satan wants me to believe that I can't do because I just don't think I can do it. You can't be a good pastor because. I can't be a good minister because. Or maybe I'm a bad example to my children. Uh, I can't be a good dad and all those things. And maybe you're hearing these things in our lives that I can't do this, I can't do that because of these things. But listen to what Revelation 12.10 says. John says, Then I heard a loud voice from heaven say, Now have come to salvation and the power and the kingdom of God, our God, and the authority of the Messiah, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, 
who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. Understand, Satan accuses us and he hurls these accusations at us day and night. There's no break. I don't care who we are, where we're at, no matter what we're doing, Satan is doing these things. The Greek word diablos, devil, adversary, is 35 times mentioned in the New Testament talking about what this guy does. So understand, before we fall to sin, even before we think about sinning a lot of times, remember what we said last time when we sin, we believe the lie Satan told us? Before you sin, he will lie to you. Understand that. Before we give way to that sin, he's going to lie to us and we believe that lie. Satan will tell you it's no big deal. Go ahead, do it. No real big deal. No one's going to find out. Go ahead, do it. Everybody else does it. It's only this once. Go ahead. You won't get caught. Anybody heard those things? How many times in our world today do we hear a kid try drugs once? And what happens? They're hooked. It doesn't take much. Before you sin, he will lie to you. And after you sin, here's what Satan does. He says, you're nothing. You're no good. How could God love you now? Your life is ruined. And Satan will tell you, you're pathetic. God could never use you again in your life. It's gone so far, you can't go back. So understand this, in your outline it says this, when the devil talks to you about God, he lies. He'll talk to you about God. He's all good about that. But listen to me, God doesn't love you anymore because you sinned. God can't use you anymore because of the sin. God will not let you do what you need to do. He will say, did God really say that? But when the devil talks to you about you, he accuses you. No good, pathetic, and worthy. Folks, we have to overcome the voices of this accuser. We have to stop listening to Satan. We have to stop listening to the deceiver. And we have this great idea, this great scripture, and we have a book full of stories about the power of God and the vision of God and what God can and do for us in our life. And there's a powerful prophetic and personal vision in the book of Zechariah. It's his vision. And I love this story, and you've heard it before, and it's been an illustration I'm sure other ministers have used, but this story in Zechariah is a, the setting of a courtroom. So if you will, picture Perry Mason or Law and Order or Judge Judy, if you will. You know, my mom loves these judge shows, and I can't stand them, okay? And in our story, there's three characters that you need to understand. Number one is God. He's the judge. He's sitting in the judge chair. The second person is Joshua, the high priest. He's on trial. He's the defendant. And third, there's Satan, okay? The prosecutor, the accuser. And they're trying to prove Joshua's guilt. And then when we read the story, Satan appears to have a case against Joshua. Just understand that. And it seems that Joshua is guilty because as you read the story, Joshua's robes are filthy. Now, he's a high priest, okay? His robes should not be dirty because a dirty robe is a sign or a picture of sin joshua is a priest he's a high priest his robe should be clean as a symbol of purity so maybe joshua is guilty here i mean the picture that we're given is 
So Joshua's being accused by Satan. Here's the story, Zechariah 3.1. He says this, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man, talking about Joshua, a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Stop there for just a minute, okay? Joshua is underdressed, especially to be on trial. He's in filthy clothes, which represents sin. And here's Satan. Imagine Satan pitching his case against Joshua, but also pitching his case against us. Every day, day and night. Hey, God, did you see what somebody did? Hey, God, another one of your sons, another one of your daughters did this. Did you see what they did? Did you see what they thought? Did you catch what they've done in their life? They say they believe in you, and they say they're Christians, and they say they want to do what you want to do, but did you see what they've done? And Satan builds that case against us. And all he has to do is say, didn't you do this? Didn't you say that bad word this week? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because I know probably what would happen. We'd all kind of have to go, yeah, I did. Maybe you lied. Yelled at the kids. Maybe you looked at things online. Maybe you broke a secret. But here's Joshua standing before God, just like us. Standing dirty, ashamed, unworthy. And the accuser hurls shame to God about us. About the shame that we have in our life. Now remember, God is the judge. Joshua, the high priest, is the defendant. Satan is the prosecutor, the accuser. But before we look at the rest of the story, I want to remind you who Jesus is this morning. Because we need to hear this also. Yes, Satan day and night hurls these accusations. He hurls these fiery darts at us, and he wants us to believe, yes, we are unworthy. Yes, we are sinners. Yes, we will not do what God wants us to do. The devil is the accuser, right? does it all the time. But remember who Jesus is in your outline. Jesus is your advocate. Jesus is the one that stands up for us. Listen to what 1 John 2, 1 says. It says, my dear children, I love this. I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Catch that. If we do sin. Now, that's not a big stretch, is it? If. Eh, it doesn't matter when most of the time with us. Because that's the way life is. Jesus pleads our case before the Father. He pleads our case. Jesus is the only true righteous one. So back to our story. Here the devil is. He's firing accusations at Joshua. And then Jesus comes to his defense. Look at verse 4. The angel said to those who were standing before him, standing before Joshua, take off his, Joshua's filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. God says, yes, yeah, you're dirty. Yes, you're guilty. 
And God even says, you know what? You're even unworthy right now as we sin. But I love what it says to us. But God says, but I'm taking away all that dirt. I'm taking away all that residue. I'm taking away all that sin that is in your life. And catch what he says. He says, I am putting fine garments on you. I'm replacing all that with goodness. He's saying, I'm putting you in something that you don't deserve. He's also saying, I'm putting you in something you can't earn. Putting you in them, not because you are good, God says, but I'm putting you in these fine garments, Joshua, but also to us because God says, I am good. You see, it's not about us. It's about what God does for us, what he is doing for us every day, every moment of our lives. I think God wants to bless us with something we don't deserve. And that's everyday forgiveness. That's every day that we do something wrong. Every day we do something stupid. Every day we listen to Satan and believe the lies. And God is saying, I want to forgive you, and I will forgive you. Because I truly believe every day we go through our day, we come before God, probably sinned, stained, dirty. And God says, here, put on these robes. Put on these clean robes. Robes. Folks, maybe this is exactly where you're at. That we're not in the place where we wanted to be, and it's not in that place. But when you look at the New Testament, you remember the story of the prodigal son? How the son took his inheritance and he went out and squandered it. He did all those things. And as you look at the son coming back to the father, remember what he'd been doing before he came back to the father? He'd been living with pigs, eating pig slop sleeping with the pigs, all those things. This prodigal son was filthy, he stunk, he was hungry. Did he go shower and clean up before he came home to the father? No. What did he do? He came running back to the father who was looking for him. He came back to the father who was excited to see him. He came back to the father who ran to him. Folks, God is not laughing at our sin. God is not laughing when we're listening to Satan. He's really not. I truly believe God is literally running to us when we come back to him, when we come to him. This week I went to the funeral of a friend, that 34-year-old firefighter. Toughest things I've had to do in a long time. I put my class A's back on, my dress uniform, and uh, did the firefighter walkthrough. 500 firefighters from several states walk through. I've known Nick since he was a senior in high school when I moved to Hayworth. He came on ambulance with us. We fought fires together, did a lot of wrecks together, did a lot of things. Nick was a hard drinker through high school. When I did their wedding, believe it or not, as they went from the church to the reception, we beat them to their reception, which is not hard, but they got into a huge fight the day of the wedding, and they were talking divorce the day of their wedding. Sarah said in her 45-minute eulogy to him that on the dance floor, Nick was saying, we just need to get divorced. I mean, the ink wasn't even dry on their wedding. I'm thinking, I haven't even sent it in yet, so if you don't want me to send it in, it's all good. We'll just eat and go home and all that good stuff. 
And there are a lot of nights Sarah was sitting on my back porch crying because Nick was either drinking hard. He wasn't one of those who could just have a drink and stop. He binged, drinked, get drunk, get smashed. Through a couple deaths in their family, his brother-in-law was killed surfing in another country, drowned, came back. Another cousin on, his, on Sarah's side was killed by a drunk driver. Both times, a minister from Eastview, uh, Saunders and my friend, was at the hospital with him. And one time, Nick asked Sarah, and this is a church of 5,000-plus people, and here's the senior minister standing in the intensive care area with this family for hours and hours and hours. And Nick goes, that's the minister at Eastview. How can he have time to be with us? And it began to change him. That night, his brother died. His brother-in-law died. And it made Nick think, and that they went home that night, and Nick goes, we're going to go to church tomorrow. And I said, had not been going to church because she didn't want to offend Nick. But she was okay. So they started going to church. One Sunday in 2016, Sarah was working at a children's hospital in Peoria. And he said, something told me I needed to be baptized. So he got up, went forward, he was baptized, changed his life, changed his marriage, changed everything about him. He went from somebody who would stand in the fire station when I was chaplain and firefighter, he would start to tell this joke or whatever, and I'd hear from across the bay, sorry, preacher Kurt, and tell the whole story. And everybody would laugh. And I thought, well, at least I'm getting to him that he knows he's not supposed to say it. Hasn't stopped him yet, but he's not supposed to say it. And as he was going through this 10 months of cancer, as he was battling and doing all these things, Sarah was in one of her moods, and she goes, why? He looked at his wife who worked at a children's hospital, and he simply said, Sarah, if by me having cancer keeps one child from having to go through this, then I'm all good. I'm all good. Folks, I truly believe, as I watched Nick from a high schooler, from drinking hard, to turning his life around, to saving his marriage, to having three wonderful kids, to doing all those things, I truly believe he could have continued listening to Satan and saying, you know what, Nick, I cannot use you again, to 10 months of knowing who Christ is and doing everything he can through his life and through his death, telling people about Jesus Christ, and it's working. Don't believe the lies Satan tells us. Joshua, the high priest, was guilty, as we are. Angel said, take away the dirty clothes, put on the fine garments. See, he has taken away your sin, it says. Look at the rest of it. He says, then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him while the angel of the Lord stood by. The angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Listen to this, folks. If you will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have a charge in my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. I want you to see what he didn't say. He didn't say because you're guilty, you have this probation time you have to do. He didn't say because you're guilty, you have to earn this back. 
He said, then said, because you're guilty, you have limited work, and we're not going to get you to have these responsibilities, but because of your sin, you can't do this. No, the angel simply ordered them, remove the filthy clothes and put on the holy garments. And he said, keep serving the Lord. Catch that. Even through Joshua's dirtiness and all of his sin that's represented, God says, keep serving God. Folks, if you've failed, if you've fallen, if we've messed up, receive what God is giving us. He's saying these new garments and keep serving. Done something wrong? Important to, for us to learn the, and to distinguish between Satan's accusations and the Spirit's conviction. So understand this. First in your outline, this accusation from Satan, it is intended to drive us away from God. All Satan wants to do is put this wedge of separation between us. If he can do that, then he, he wins. And the conviction from Satan or from God leads us to God because we need God's grace. We need God's mercy. But Satan's also accusation is guilt and shame. That's all Satan wants to do to us, make us feel guilty and be ashamed. But God's conviction leads to repentance and hope. See, when Satan accuses, he wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel regret. He wants you to feel remorse. But when the Spirit convicts, it draws you to the presence of God, and you experience the grace that only God can give. I mean, Scripture says, confess your sins. Now, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation if we're in Christ Jesus. Folks, make sure you write this down. The devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. Okay? He knows exactly who you are. But he won't call you by name. He calls you by your sin. But get this. God knows your sin, but he calls you by name. He knows we're guilty of sin, but he still calls us by name. Folks, don't check out on me yet. I know that's the last thing in your outline, but don't check, check out yet. The scripture says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments of every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So many times we say, you're a failure, you should be ashamed. But we need to remember, I am righteous because of God. We are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And you may be sitting here this morning, you say, but Kurt, you don't understand. I've done all these things in my life, so I understand God is punishing me. Understand, not at all. Not at all, absolutely not. My father is a good, good father who gives us gifts. And in Zechariah's case, he says, put a clean robe on, put a clean turban on. Even the scripture says, consider it pure, pure joy, my brothers, when you experience all kinds of troubles. Remember what he says? That our faith of greater worth than gold will be refined even pure. And Satan, I guarantee you, when we begin and truly take this, I truly believe Satan's going to stand back and say, Really, after what you did? 
Really, after all you've done, God won't come through. Man, you're in big trouble. But like I read earlier, as we started the service this morning, what Philippians tells us, rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, because everything we have transcends all understanding. Folks, there's times I can't wrap my mind around all that God is doing for us and will do for us. But it's in my heart and it's in my mind. And I hear people say all the time, you know, God isn't there. God is disappointed. Or God doesn't love me. But I also know what the scripture says. It says in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You see, my God will never leave me. My God will never forsake me. My God is for me, and I am not fighting for victory by myself. I am fighting from the victory he has given me. Because Isaiah tells us, no weapon forged against us will prevail. So as we close, I want you to think about this. Who are you going to listen to this morning? Are you going to listen to the one who calls you by your sin? Or are we going to listen to the one who calls us by our name? Are you going to call the one, listen to the one who calls you unworthy? Are you going to listen to the one who calls you unforgivable? Or are you going to call the, listen to the one who calls you forgiven? The one who wants to call you a child of God. Are you going to listen to the one who calls us sons and daughters of the Most High? You see, so many times, God says, I have this for you. But so many times, we listen to the accuser. Because, yeah, I have fallen short. Yeah, I have sinned, and I understand that. But we also have to realize and understand we worship and we believe in a God who is greater than all those things. He is greater than my faults. He is greater than my sin, and he is waiting for us simply to come back to him. If you're sitting here this morning, I'm going to simply ask, who are we going to listen to? You're going to listen to the one who says, I can't do this. You can't do that. There's no way you can accomplish this in your life. Or you're going to listen to the one who says, I call you my child.